Hey, what's going on, guys? Today we're going to talk all about Anivar versus Oral Turnaball versus Winstrel. Which is best? What would we prefer in an offseason? Which would we use in a cut? After that, we've got all your listener questions, and there's timestamps below if you want to skip around. Will increases in gear change the way the scale moves while in a cut? Do you need to do a post-cycle therapy if you're on TRT? Supplements to help performance during a cruise phase? Do pump products help even if they don't directly grow muscle? Niacin for HDL? Should you bring your hormone levels lower on non-training days? Plus, a bunch more. If you're new here, let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell. We have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week. Lots of education and entertainment from IPB pros, experienced coaches, and educators in our industry. We're here to have a good time, help you guys learn some stuff so that you might do better at this sport and hopefully stay safer in the process. All right, guys, let's get to the program. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff. With Dave Crossland, I'm Scott McNally, and all of our programming is brought to you by TrueNutrition.com. Use our code THINK. If you're in the UK, we're brought to you by Strom Sports Nutrition. Check them out, especially if you're on cycle. Get their support stack. Uh, go to SupplementSource.ca for our Canadians. And, of course, uh, you know, check out Eval if you're in the UK. Get your blood work done by Dave. EvalBloodAnalysis.com. By the way, thank you to everybody from Patreon. You guys are helping to make this thing happen because YouTube has not been happy with us lately, Dave. They have not liked our content one bit. They had a problem with trying to figure out how to get gear on an airplane. I don't know why. It's you. They have a problem with you. You're probably right. We've got an Watch awesome... They have a problem with that fucking shit dave does not like plaid i don't know it's i really feel like it's one of those things where like if you have the cape and you put it in front of the bull it's just the bull that's all the bull can see anyway we got a great topic today we're going to discuss anavar versus winstrel what um what would you pick if you had to choose in a cut first of all anavar versus winstrel Well, that's the thing. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I. I would probably move away from doing Winstrel for a full cut. But if it was the last few weeks, I'd probably go Winstrel over Var. But if it was for the front three quarters, I'd go Var over Winstrel. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and, and mainly because of the sides that you're going to get associated with long-term uh, Winstrel use. You know, the, obviously the lowering of progesterone, the lowering of the anti-inflammatory system. And as a result, the subsequent joint pain. Is that what the deal is with that? Yeah, I, I believe so, yeah. Um, I mean, I say this shit, and, and most of it I just make up as I go along. So <laughs> I'm hoping that no one's no one's bright enough to pull me out on it. Oh, they uh, are all the time. That, you get called out all the time in the comments. <laughs> I will say Probably. this, though, man. So I remember just recently, because I, I mentioned something, or somebody mentioned something about joint pain on Winstrel. And there was a guy in the comments who said, no, that's not true. It's been debunked. Dave Palumbo said so. That all It's just a DHT, just like any other DHT. They all will dry your joints out the same. You know, none of it. None of it's true. Well, like, so Man, that's not true because I felt that first freaking hand. Like, well, I've gotten that. For a start, they don't draw your joints out. I mean, that, that's, that's a fallacy in its own right. Yeah. You know, you don't have water lubricated joints that by taking one of these drugs, that water goes. We are not water powered. Um, <laughs> that water has a huge influence in our health, granted. But uh, no, so obviously standard DHTs are anti-estrogenic. 
uh, and obviously taking a DHT on its own, you will get testosterone suppression, and then you get that anti-estrogen effect, which you're going to get both lower testosterone and the binding with aromatase, which lowers the conversion of testoestrogen as well. So, yeah, low estrogen can cause joint issues. There's, there's, there's no denying that. Um, but progesterone in itself actually plays a role in the production of a natural anti-inflammatory, which our body uses to keep inflammation down at area points of friction, so basically joint points, you know, because there is friction within our joints when we move. Um, and so progesterone, because it impacts progesterone, the lower progesterone, in theory, should then result in lower anti-inflammatory and as a result, then you get joint pains. Lower inflammation, higher joint pain. No, not lower inflammation, lower anti-inflammatory, oh. which would mean more inflammation. Okay. All I know is my firsthand experience of, you know, Winstrel was the first cutting compound I ever used. Cutting meaning is not helping me lose fat, but, you know, while I was dieting, it was the first diet-focused compound I used. Um, I found that after six weeks it, it at 50 milligrams, and this has been something I had run multiple times. Like this isn't just like, I mean, this is over a course of 15 years experience, 20 years experience, excuse me, 20 years experience almost probably ran Winstrel eight times, you know, eight cycles worth of it. And I found anything over six weeks with that compound in particular at 50 milligrams, I would suffer I was give or take. It might happen. Joint issues. But so I always found that keeping it less than that was better for me personally. That's all I know. I can tell yeah, you this no, too. I mean, go ahead. Go on. Well, no, I was going to say, say that. that. No, go, go. Say it. Say it. A lot of people. So, okay. I was going to say that a lot of people discount observational or anecdotal experiences, like you've just said, you know, every time you've run Winstrel over that dose, over that period of time, you've had joint issues. Uh, and we, ha we have a problem, well, I won't say a problem as such, but these days people are very much, oh, it's not in a study, it's not right, you know, or it's not, not correct. A lot of the studies start with quite literally that. They start with someone observing a trend or pattern with associated to whatever it is they are doing or they are watching. And so they go off to try and prove or disprove if there's a link. Right. Uh, and, and studies are literally that. They're, they're experiments, in the most part, they're experiments to try and discover either why something does what it does, either the mechanisms behind it, or whether it has an impact on a long-term or regular or, you know, quantifiable basis. <coughs> One study does not prove an idea. And, and within science and research, you need quite a number of studies concluding at the same point before they will adopt that as being, yes, this is what happens in that environment. I mean, we both know, and it's common knowledge to a lot of people, of how long it took science to agree that increasing the dose increased the, the gains. Hmm. Yeah, but we probably knew that long before. There was any proof. 40, 40 years before we were under that impression as users that, you know, if we put tech more gear, we're going to get better growth. Yeah. Um, yeah we, you know, the science is great, Dave. And, and, and I love seeing how much science is out there and how much is getting people to think and to question. Uh, at the same time, if we go too far into that, 
we really lose we really lose common sense. You know what I'm saying? If we just we go by a study. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can, well, I mean, there's another one. Uh, I mean, I use this a lot because I, I like it as an example. But there was the study that showed that uh, Novadex used slower IGF one. Oh yeah, yeah. Which it and, and technically does, people, right? Yeah, it technically does. And a load of people reacted that, or oh, I'm not taking Novadex anymore. Yeah. But the the real world impact of that lowering is just not tangible because gear increases IGF-1 way more than Novadex is going to lower it and, and it never actually causes a problem yeah. but people reacted to that study so strongly to the point where you know they just Novadex was a devil drug they weren't going to use it anymore absolutely uh, and it, it's there's there's so much complexity in these things and you can very easily get lost in the nuances of, of little things and factors I mean, here's, here's the thing. So in studies, telosmine has shown to increase muscle mass or, or be supportive of increased muscle mass. Okay. No one's taking a cycle of telosmine to grow. Yeah. You know, no no one, no one's dropping tests and going, you know what, I'm just running telosmine because it's going to make me massive. It ain't never going to happen. It, it's actually it's not that bad. It might have a slight positive impact in a, in a natural individual, but nothing that's going to relate to any real-world tangible results. Yeah. And, and that's the Clen argument. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking that. Yeah, yeah, the women were notorious for taking Clem because they thought it was going to increase muscle mass because it did in a couple of animal models. Again, that hasn't translated across in any way. Sure, It's definitely muscle sparing. So It's it's good to have. And you can take that information, file it away, don't forget it. You know what I'm saying? Just Yeah, I'll get information all the time that I just file away and it's definitely good to have that in the back of your head but i wouldn't use that to i wouldn't use that to override my common sense which tells me after 20 years of experience that winstrel had made my joint sore and i'd seen it happen to a, a bunch of other people too you know also there's the the liver toxicity basically just orals in general you got more you know more logistical issues uh, potential stomach issues from taking an oral so for that reason too um, Winstrel would be my icing on the cake. If I were doing a contest prep with somebody, it would be something we would add in for the last, I would say, three to six weeks, depending. And of course, like you're saying, man, depends on what else you're doing. You know, maybe it would be more to where that six week mark if we weren't relying on any other DHTs. Cause I've had people that are just doing, you know, testing, we'll say, you know, test and cycling clen into the show and then the last six weeks we just throw in some winstrel but hey if you're using trend and mast and whatever else then maybe that last three to four weeks would be plenty right the the other factor as well is that if you've got a real kitchen sink of drugs going on the the chances of a small addition making any impact whatsoever on where you are is is going to get more and more unlikely because there's already so much going on whether if you've only got a couple you'll really be able to monitor i mean the amount of people and we're we're terrible as humans for this as well in that we'll do something uh, and i mean the the amount of people that will message me and said i'm two weeks into my first cycle or second cycle even later on in their experience and i feel like dog shit so is the gear bad yeah and it's like, have you considered you might just be ill? You know? <laughs> yeah, there's that. So, <clears throat> But what, we, we have a bad habit of that. You know, if something changes in our status quo, it, it's immediately got to be the last thing we did. Oh, God. God forbid we take a little less, you know? <laughs> what about now? So the other side of the, the, the question here, we're looking at Anivar. Now, we've talked about just 
you know, contest prep or we'll say just dieting, which for me, I generally would keep Winstrel in a dieting phase. Anivar, on the other hand, I think you could really use it in an off season as well. And you had mentioned it'd be something you might even consider running a little bit longer in a diet phase than than Winstrel. Yeah, I, I think Anivar is much more tolerable. I think it's much more rounded. Okay. Uh, I, I think, actually, we should have done Anavar versus T-Ball for this because I think that's a much more accurate comparison. Okay. We could we could throw... How about we do Anavar versus Winstrel versus T-Ball? Well, the, the point I'm making is, obviously, Winstrel has a completely different action in its anti-progestenic, whereas Anavar and T-Ball aren't. So they're both anti-estrogenic. They're, they're both DH... Actually... A T-ball isn't a DHT, it's actually derivatives of testosterone. Yeah, yeah. But it but it doesn't aromatize. So in that sense, it's a completely different drug, but it actually has quite a similar action. You know, it doesn't aromatize, gives good dry gains, it's quite a nice little strength drug, is T T-ball was was the fave for the East Germans uh, through their doping programs for decades. Yeah. You want to hear something uh, crazy, man? Twenty years. I'd never used T Ball, not once. It's not a common compound, though. I, I would, you know, I'd be very dubious of getting legit shit, if I'm really? honest, because it's just not one, you know, it's not one that people generally ask for, and it's not a popular one. And outside of our community, it, it, it's been very popular. Um, yeah, sports. Uh, yeah, for good reason. So I could see it being great in, like, MMA or boxing as well. mm yeah, so I would say that, you know, out of the three drugs we took, and we're now talking about because we've changed, because we can, because it's our show, we can do what the fuck we want. Um, I would have said that the, the probably the competition for, you know, like-for-like like compounds would be between T-Ball and Anavar. Yeah, okay, I'll I go think, with that. I think, I think Winstrel stands alone a little bit in that sense because of that anti-progesterone action, which, which gives you that potential joint side. Um, it, it generally makes it a short toleration drug where you're only looking, like you say, at max six weeks for most people. Where Anavar, yes, there's still, and all three compounds would probably have a very similar um, liver stress. Hmm. I don't think particularly any one of them is any way more stressful than another. Um, so I, I don't think there's any real disadvantages or advantages within that side of things from any of the compounds. I think they're all fairly equal. I think the big thing with Winstrel is that anti-progesterone action. I'll be honest uh, with you. I've never, so I, you know, being that I have no personal experience with T-Ball, I've never once, um, suggested it to a client. We've always used something else, including like MMA. I'd much I'd go to Anivar would be my go-to, and I'm really comfortable with that. Having first had my own experience, and then obviously seeing you know tons of people, um, clients and whatnot use it over the years. Now T-ball, on the other hand, I have worked with a couple of people that did have it and they wanted to use it. Of course, I'm familiar with it. I understand the dosing. Um, I, one thing I noticed is. Um, and, and it could be the individuals, but I noticed much further, what we'll, I'll call it like wreckage of of cholesterol with with that than with Anivar. Okay, um, that's interesting. I've never seen any data on, on the, the, you know, the adulteration of HDL with it. So just something uh, to keep that. in mind, I guess, if you're thinking about using it, guys, you know, something to look at. But with all of our orals, right, we're we're looking at more. Um, 
cholesterol issues than with like injectable counterparts, right? Yes, in, in a lot are. of cases. With, yeah, we are with all of them. Uh, you would expect. I would expect that. I mean, on paper, I would expect the DHTs to to have a more of a negative impact on cholesterol. If, yeah. if I was honest, if someone said to me which is going to be the someone said to me which is going to be the worst out of them three, I'd have probably gone Winstrel, Anavar, and Tebow the last. So I, I find that quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. I would if you were to ask me to guess, I would I would probably guess the same. So let, let's see. So let's take uh, Winstrel's out of the equation for okay. an off season, right? Yes. So, or, so we're talking off season. We've got your your Anavar versus your T ball um, duration well, for each of those. Would you both? Would you be okay with eight weeks for both of those? Yeah, or yeah, okay, yeah, I've got a question. Yeah. So we know Winstrel is antiprotestanic, and we we we've talked about the mechanisms behind that and joints, etc. Would you feel that pairing Winstrel with something like Decca, which is a progestin, or Trent, which is a progestin, actually offset that? Hmm. I don't know, but I know that, I'll tell you what, man, Trent and Winnie really go good together. I can tell you that much. Well, that's what I'm, see, so. But I see where you're Decker, going. You know, Decca engages with the progesterone receptor, but it doesn't really deliver a one-for-one -one ratio. But. Trend engages with a progesterone receptor and delivers a stronger signal than progesterone. Only slightly. It's only marginal, about 20%, 15 20%. But <laughs> it's, we said that Trend had an equivalent of 1.2. So if that is correct, then that engage. The, the one thing I actually don't know is, is how progesterone influences this anti-inflammatory. I know there's this link, but I don't know. Is it directly through the progesterone receptor? Or is it progesterone engaging with a secondary receptor that's not a PR? I don't know that bit. So, but if if it is a direct through engagement with a PR, then technically, Trend should offset Winstrel for that problem. So, it'd be interesting to know that anyone that's run Trend and Winstrel together, have you noticed any difference in have you have you noticed joint problems? Have you found you didn't have any joint problems? Hmm. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Which would you pick? between T-Ball and uh, Anivar for a cut? I think they're both equal. I think 10 T-Ball lends itself to maintaining strength a little bit better. Okay. Yeah. But I think I think Anivar would be slightly more supportive in the cut situation. Okay. Yeah, I like Anivar in a cut, but it's not my favorite. It's a great... You know, it, it, I think it's a great compound for somebody that's going to be newer to gear. And one of the things I love about it is that you're not going to have to deal with, like traditionally, man, 20 years ago, we started with, you know, 500 tests, 25 milligrams of D-ball. And you had that D-ball in and your chances of having estrogen issues goes up. So there's all these guys that are battling gyno on their first cycle. I think you're a lot less likely to do that if the addition, you know, if your your addition is going to be somebody in an early stage of, of doing gear, Anivar is going to have less potential issues that make you have to stop the cycle midway to fix something like gyno, you know? I think as an all-rounder, Anivar is the most versatile of the three. And... For female use, that would be my I, my go-to yeah, out I of say, the three. You know, I, I though T-Bowl 
from East German side seems to be quite well tolerated. But I, I do think that if you want the, the most flexible of the three compounds, so the most versatile, the most fully rounded of the three would be Anavar. Yeah. I think the other two become a little bit more slightly specialised than Anavar itself, which is much more of a amenable, fit into lots of situations compound. I remember back in the day, my first introduction to understanding T-ball on the message boards was T-ball is a dry D-ball. Yeah, so I've always explained it. It's, it's D-ball without estrogen. Yeah. So I never <laughs> went to it because I was like, I could grow a lot more on D-ball. You know what I mean? I was like, I want to gain the 20 pounds. <laughs> so whatever. Yeah. Well, hopefully this gives people a little bit of a deeper understanding into these. we got some listener questions, Dave. Um, oh man, what do you think about, can you, so we talked about Zach Khan. Can you just <laughs> grab him for an episode? Can you be like, Hey, Zach, can you record next Monday? That kind of thing. Cause we had Ian say, uh, I can't get over how improved David Stanley's internet is. I love that. Everybody knows your middle name. Now Christmas cabbage is almost 3d. Any chance of getting Zach King Khan on? I'm having withdrawal symptoms. Christmas cabbage fan club checking in. Wait, I'm hearing his phone number here. It's coming through, so I'm going to talk over it. Yeah, it's all right. He's um, You calling him? Trying to call him? Yeah, he's not. His phone switched off. I, I just thought we'd try and drag him on the show live, see if we could get him on live. But, so, <laughs> I have spoke to him. He is interested in coming on, and we just need to nail a time when he can do it. All right. Ask him if he can do like our regular time. And if, you know, we'll start there. If you can't do that, I can be flexible as long as it's not like, you know, 3 a.m. for me. Oh, well, I'll say it's all right as long as it's not 3 a.m. for you. Yeah, we can do 3 a.m. your time if that's when Zach wants to record, but I have a feeling that's not when he wants to record. So why is it okay to do it my time but not your time? What are you talking about? We're on Zach's time. All right, what else do we have here? Column. He says, uh, I just started a cycle. 300 test, 400 mast E. That's testy and masty. In five weeks, I will increase the mast to 600. And in 10 weeks, I will add 50 milligrams of anivar every day. A little anivar conversation here. Uh, currently cutting and in terms of keeping rate of loss on track. And I was wondering if each jump in DHT will be expected to comparatively increase scale weight from muscle fullness or decreased scale from anti-rheumatis activity leading to less water retention. I can't see there being a particular scale, scale jump. When you said that, I heard that as he was increasing, he was adding in 50 anavar a day, every day. So day one would be 50, day two would be 100, day oh three would be 150. That's what went through my head. I'm like, what? That's a lot of R. That's a lot of R. Um, Tell you what I, I noticed. I can't see the bit of... Go on. Anytime you add a compound, it's going to change the, It's going to change what happens on the scale. So, you know, little little like pro tip here. As a coach... If I have somebody that I haven't worked with and they're like, hey, I want to work with you for a diet and I want to do a cut cycle and I watch drugs and stuff 
So I want to do all the gear. You know what I mean? And there, I want your help with that. What are you doing there? Trying to call Zach still? Yeah, he's just messaging me. Oh, shit. He missed him. If it goes to his voice, oh, there he is. Right, don't, don't swear you're live on the podcast. Zach Khan. <laughs> he can't hear me. Yeah, so we've been asked to get you on, so when are you coming on? We got Zach Khan. All right, so what about three o'clock next next Tuesday? Wednesday would be better. When would be better? Yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday. Wednesday? I can do that. Next Wednesday, three o'clock, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could do that, yeah. All right, man. We'll sort it out. I'll, I'll, get, I'll send your number to Scott and he'll send you the link. Awesome. Because then I'm not rushing, uh, I don't need to rush the gym to Wednesday, you know what I mean? All right, then. Um, because then I can just take, we can take that time and talk, can't we, sir? Well, you don't, you don't usually rush on a Friday, either. Ah, uh, fuck's sake. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to fight. Ow. Oh, you're boring. All right, mate, I'll speak to you after. All right, take care. Take care, Bob. Bye-bye. Look at that. Featuring Zach Khan. Zach Khan is on the podcast already. Yeah. How about that? He is such a nice guy, man. He was like, he's such a tough person. Like, on, on from what I remember him, like in his media and stuff. But when you actually talk to him, he is like just the coolest, most laid back human being. He's a genuinely really nice guy. Um, yeah, I don't suppose his social media reflect. I mean, it does reflect him as well. His social media is not a complete scam of who he is because that is part of who Zach is but he's also an incredibly caring incredibly courteous individual and you know what um, I've noticed something else as well so Zach's obviously worked my stand a couple of times and he's sponsored by Chemical Warfare as well so he works their stand at expos and stuff Yeah. now we have seen it not only with him, but with, with a lot of the other modern pros, that when they compete in the stuff, you just don't see them on the stands. They won't come near them. Yeah. But Zach's from an era where you, you work the stand all day, you competed that evening, and then you were back the next morning and working the stand all day again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so he still does that. You know what I mean? When he goes to expos for whoever he's representing, he works that stand and he works it all day long. Dude, yeah. Um, he was talking to people. It, I was I saw that at Fit X, Fit Expo. And he like he was hanging out, just talking to people all day long. People who like didn't even weren't even there because of Zach Khan. They're like they're legit asking questions about Eval, and he was he was letting them know about everything, like full twenty yeah. minute conversations with people. So, you know, explaining stuff. So that's cool. Yeah. I, it, here's what I was gonna say about that question. So he was saying, you know, how will his weight change? So what I was starting to say is, if if I have a client that's a new guy, and we start a diet. I want to make sure that we're actually like the first few weeks, at least I don't want to be on anything new. I want to just keep the diet like TRT or off cycle, whatever. That way we can at least make sure that we see the scale is moving. 
when I'm confident that we're in that, you know, we're in a spot where fat loss is happening and it's not just going to maintenance calories. Everybody's different. What it takes to maintain you might be different than the next guy. When we get fat loss moving, that's where I'm comfortable in starting the cycle, because what I tell people is, OK, so we've been seeing first we lost eight pounds and now it's been five and now two and two and two and two. And now we start the cycle. I can't guarantee that we're going to see that same reflection on the cycle once we add the gear. The way I put it is all bets are off once you start the cycle and all bets are off when you add a new compound in to or increase the dose, you know? Which is, which is why stuff like photographs and secondary measures of track are important because yep. you, you can't just go off the scale. You do need to look at photographs and skin caliper testing. I'm not a fan of the scales because even though they are much, much better than they used to be, they're still not the most stably consistent measuring device. The body fat um, I'm on scales. about the body fat scale. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, caliper, photos, measurements, all coupled together to give you a much better and much more accurate read. And and we can all get scale obsessed, either be yeah. or why not, it's not going. And then you start doing drastic things because you're not seeing the, the progress you wanted to see on the scale. And it's not always an issue. You know, it's not always the scale. It, it can be so many other things that, that are changing. Yep. It is possible to recomp. You know, it is possible to gain muscle size while losing fat loss. And, and, you know, people sometimes don't lose any physical weight at all, but they just massively change their composition. So I was so grateful the first contest prep I did that I had a coach because I was losing fat, losing fat. We went on cycle. The scale did not move for like eight weeks straight of like a, it was probably like a 12, 15 week prep. And for eight weeks, the scale did not move. And I would have just kept pulling food out if I didn't know, you know, if I didn't have a coach there to stop me. But he was like, dude, look, you're getting leaner each week. Shut up. Just listen, <laughs> you know, and it worked. So there's that. Yeah. we got a shoulder question, shoulder training. This is from Chris. Um, which I believe, by the way, Chris is going to be at FIBO. And if anybody else is going to be at FIBO, Dave, I'm going to FIBO. So I want to try to make sure we can hook up. How are you going to FIBO? I'm going to FIBO on a plane. How? What do you mean how? Well, who invited you? Mutant. You jammy back. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit the heck out of this episode. Just well, for like all the names you called me. Can't believe you've you've managed to wangle going to FIBO, you little shit. <laughs> Have you ever been to FIBO? No. <laughs> we should come this year, dude. I can't, mate. I've got the time. I would I would but I would rather go to FIBO than go to the Arnolds. It would be closer too. There's that. Yeah. I've I've i I like I've always wanted to do FIBO. So now nah, I've 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 heard FIBO has gone down a little bit the last couple of years. Well it's gonna be back now that I'm there. So anyway, question from Chris. <laughs> he says, uh, uh I'm slowly um reaching the forty kilogram dumbbells for my overhead press seated. Um getting those up becomes incredibly difficult. Uh the jerking movement hurts my shoulders. Um, even if I use my leg to kick it up, is there a better way to do this? My shoulders already have been a bit wonky, um, but want to want to don't want to frank them up. What does that mean? Frank them up. I think it's it's rather than swearing using the f bombs. Oh, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Good call, Chris. Thank you. 
So, um, sorry, when you read that question out, I've just got I've just got it in my head of this guy sat on a bench like this. I don't get it. Sl slowly reaching oh. forward for the forties. I'm slowly getting the forties. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he said the barbell overhead press hurts his shoulder, shoulder impingement. Can't switch to that movement. Uh, I really would prefer to use the dumbbells for my pressing. I'm with you, dude. I can't do barbell overhead press they they don't work good for me they've always hurt my shoulders even with like just the bar really oh uh, right okay um the obviously the safest way is going to be able to get someone to pass them to you which is a bit of a ball like i get that but yeah um there isn't really any other way unless you have a set of dumbbell racks that you those can are cool to, yeah but obviously not many gyms have them um so the only other real alternative is to get them passed to you. You can, but it is an art form, do a straight arm swing. That's hard with that. The heavier that dumbbell gets, you know, because he's... Well, you end, you end up literally pretty much standing up to swing and then almost doing what would, I suppose, to a degree, look like a, um, a snatch. <laughs> yeah. And then sitting down and trying to fling them up. But it is. The other thing I'd probably recommend is that you move to bringing them to the shoulder rather than trying to bring them to an upright finished position. That's what I would so, assume he started at, you know. Kick well, I've always started, but so many people I see try and start from up here. Oh. Well, I would always start from down here. So I think you're kicking up. Well. And the kicking up technique makes a difference, too. If you're yeah, good at that. Yeah, go to the shoulder, yeah. Yeah, I always, like, I'm thinking now, I just, boom pop that one at a time and then boom you're there you know it i don't know i feel like that's always been easy for me even like dude that i'll tell you what man there was a time that my shoulder overhead press was my strongest lift like my my chest was not good i didn't know how to i didn't know how to bench with my pecs yet so all my benching was like all shoulder dominant and then when i went overhead i was at a point man where i was doing like three sets with the 130s not kidding you and that was like, I just pride. And of course, I didn't do it like many warm ups. I didn't do any other exercises first. I came straight in the gym and got to the 130s as quick as I could. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like high, high quality. But I mean, that was a strong lift for me. I've oh, I've never had a problem kicking him up. And I'm a guy who's had various shoulder issues. It's never caused me issues. Could he improve that technique? I wonder. Potential, but at the end of the day, he's putting himself at risk for injury every time he does it because it's not the most controlled of lifts, is it? That hammer strength chest, uh, shoulder press is nice. I just, I just went to people passing me, but I actually ended up getting injured because somebody couldn't pass me the fucking dumbbell. Yeah, you got to depend on other people, so there's that. Well, it gets to a point as well where the weights just get that big that you're you're going to struggle, whatever. I mean. If, if not from the physical weight, but then from the physical size of the dumbbells. Yeah. Oh, here's a guy I who mean, needs 180, help. 180s just sitting out here somewhere, you know, because the fucking dumbbell's so long. Yeah, but you can kind of turn them too. You know what I mean? So if you kind of have them turned, they're going a little bit behind you. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then when you press up, the hands turn out. I don't know. Um, This guy needs our help. He's 50. Um, he's currently having a very successful cycle. He did two other cycles in his thirties. Um, he says, uh, the cycle is 500 tests, 300 DECA, 16 weeks. I was thinking of starting a PCT after end week 18 Clomid 
Arimidex, HCG. I'll stay off for two to three months and start my TRT dosage as I feel much better, younger, and mood is great. What do, uh, Would you recommend this or have better ideas? My thought was to stay on 250 test weekly, but I firmly believe I need TRT at this point in my life. And he's 50. I don't see the point in doing a PCT if you are going on TRT. It is a pointless exercise, and I definitely wouldn't be using ADEX in a PCT. Yeah. PCT um, is to recover natural levels, yeah. right? So it's, it's, it's a pointless thing. If you're going to go on TRT, I would, when you finish the, 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 the cycle, sorry, leave enough time for the drugs to come back down to close to natural range because if you go trt straight off cycle you're going to stay elevated for what i've seen it as long as two months Mm. Uh, and if you're planning if you're a frequent cyclist so you're going back on you literally end up with having virtually well you don't you don't have any time off because you never reach natural ranges um regards his trt dose of 250 i would start at probably half that run it for about six weeks and then test my levels see where they are and adjust accordingly i truly believe that trc should be kept in range that doesn't mean you you have to but when you start going out of range that's when you start creating management issues and problems with thick blood and hdl and everything else that goes with it yeah so i would rush margin keep levels in range and my dose is based on what i need to keep me in range rather than any predetermined amount but i I generally start people a little bit on the low side let that get established and then increase because when you start them high it's always a nightmare to try and get them to come down agreed totally agreed yeah no no reason for pct and then keep the levels in your natural range right yeah, I mean, you can run hot end, you know, you can run top end, but I would still look at, I mean, I've noticed something. I don't know how true this is. I think it is. So when I've done conversions of NGDL to NMOL, it's always turned out that the, the, the American range is above the UK range. And a lot of a UK TRT is based around American dosages. Yeah. Um. And what I've found is that when guys go above 30 mol, which is still not out at American range numbers, um, they do start to see a lot more problems. So I've come to the very unscientific conclusion that genetically, Americans can tolerate slightly higher tests than the European counterparts. Hey, who knows, man? I'm sure there is a genetic factor to that. I mean, we know that test levels are, you know, in, in different ethnicities are genetically can be different, you know, so there can be a, like a stereotype to that or whatever, you know. Asians are generally uh, are much more susceptible to beta thalassemia, high red blood cells. Um, so, yeah, there's there's lots of genetic traits. Um, it's like Asians, as in Japanese Asian, um, don't tolerate alcohol very well. They have low levels of ADH too. Really, I didn't know that. Mm. Yeah. All right. I don't know where I got that from, but I got it from an alcohol professor. You made that up on the spot. No, no, no. It's, it's uh, a, a woman who was an anthropologist who spent four years studying drinking culture around the world. Huh. That's wild. 
Hmm? All right. Let's see what else we have here. And I actually, I have to text back uh, Rick Collins, too. He just texted me. We're supposed to record something later today. I need to let him know that I'm still on for that. But let me bring this next one up here. Um, Question for the next one. Did you gents have any experience with lifting with hemorrhoids? I'm getting a couple removed soon, and I'm wondering how long will I be out of the gym? Also, what can I do to speed up recovery? Thanks. And we have some of the live stream, too. Do you know anything about this, Dave? Any thoughts? Not a not thing. I mean, I would assume stuff like growth hormone or growth hormone secretors are going to help with recovery. But regards the actual time out, very impact. I haven't got a clue. And here's the thing, though. Like, you can get, like, you hemorrhoids are a thing that can happen. I mean, they tell us, like, not to bear down and push. But, like, what are we doing every time we do a, a, a squat or anytime we flex our core? You know what I mean? When we lock out to do a press, uh, all those things, that's exactly what causes hemorrhoids. So I would say it's probably going to be your, your, the time you're going to, how long is it going to take before you can do that again, before you can brace hard? Man, that's going to suck, but it's probably going to be a minute. Yeah, I mean, it does 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 vary though, doesn't it? I mean, it's like with uh, hernia, umbilical hernias. I know guys that are back in the gym full power within two weeks, and I know other guys it takes them six, eight weeks together. Yeah. Um, so, you know, everybody is different to a degree on that one. And yeah, I, I, I have no experience. I've never worked with anyone that's had a problem with them. So I At least that they told you, comment. right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a lot of people may be a bit reluctant to talk about that one as well. <laughs> All right, I'll uh, I'll answer Rick back here. Um, Vincent Ford says, uh, here's a question for you guys. Assuming someone is on a cycle cruising, would you recommend any supplements to improve performance, such as creatine, beta alanine, um, everything else that he has listed here? I do believe... And obviously, there's quite a lot of studies to support it that creatine, or creatine, should I say, sorry, uh, creatine is a very effective and very useful supplement, whether you are assisted or not. What would you suggest overall for somebody who is, say, in between cycles or even on cycle? What what are your go-tos as far as, like, performance, over-the-counter performance supplements? Anything besides creatine? Not really, what about pump stuff? I'm not a fan. Um, people like it. I get that. People enjoy it, and I get that. For me, I don't see it as any real relevance. Um, it, I find it more of a cosmetic feel-good thing rather than a performance thing. But having said that, you know, if you are training hard, you are getting a pump, and you do feel good, you're more likely to be more intense in your training. So I suppose there's something there. Um, pre-workout, I've never got on with them. I've always struggled with them. They send me a bit doolally, so the, the best I've ever managed. The strongest pre-workout I would ever, I've ever used is Bang. That's, that's like 350 milligrams of caffeine. That's a, that's it, a lot. But it's just, but it's just caffeine. I can cope with caffeine. Oh, I can't okay. cope, I can't cope with any of the other stuff. I had a very interesting conversation, um, with, uh, Jim McMahon the owner of Mutant at the Arnold. Mm -hmm. We were having breakfast uh, before one of the expo days, and we were talking about some of the misconceptions about uh, some of the supplements that are out there nowadays. I want to get him on to talk about this, but there's been some talk about uh, citrulline malate being complete garbage, 
that it doesn't do anything for you. And there has been a move in general, I think, where people are like, you know, everything you thought was wrong. We don't need to be doing this or, you know, we, you don't need to exercise anymore. You know what I mean? I've, like all that. I kind think of- there was a, I think there was a bit of an anti-supplement move. And I think a lot of that started with the amino acid stuff. Oh, well, I think in general, though, people are like, you know, these five exercises that you've always done suck. So buy my ebook and I'll show you what you should do. You know what I mean? And and I think there's been something. So I, from what I understand, because I know somebody was saying about beta alanine. I talked to and I talked to uh, Rick Foster of Strom about this, uh, about beta alanine. But with citrulline malate, it's interesting. So I guess that that um, somebody was going around and saying that citrulline malate was not as beneficial as we thought. And here's the thing. There's two types of citrulline malate. And this is fascinating to me. There's bound together citrulline malate, which is like you know a new molecular thing. And then there's some, there's some companies will take citrulline and they'll take malate and they'll just drop them in the same bag. So if these have their own molecular weight, this has its own molecular weight. It's a completely different thing once it's bound. And it does something different than if you just throw this and this into a bag and they're floating around. So I guess it is true that if you throw this and this, the citrulline and the malate into a bag, you're not going to get the benefits that you would from citrulline malate. So I think that And so there has been this move where people are like, oh, supplements are garbage. And citrulline malate does nothing. But I'll tell you what, man, citrulline malate is a fantastic supplement. And in my opinion, if you can, if you get a better connection, like you were saying, if it helps you with your workout, if you feel more motivated, you're getting a better pump, you're feeling better endurance then, like that's going to keep you in the gym. You're going to get a better workout. You're going to have a better experience. And as such, that's a positive thing for your bodybuilding. Is it going to directly grow muscle like D-ball? No. Yeah, and I think there is something in that, in in the, you know, we tend to, or people will tend to judge supplements on their direct mechanisms of action regards muscular growth. And, and like you say, having a better pump isn't particularly going to have any impact on, on um, better muscular growth directly, but it will have a secondary impact in the sense that you feel good you enjoy your training and therefore you train more effectively and more intensely. So there's definitely that side of things which needs to be considered as well. All I remember about citrus malate is, uh, citrulline malate, sorry, is that it tastes friggin' awful yeah. when it's non-flavored. It has like a, to me it tastes like, um, if you, you know what, I've always added it to something else. And if it tastes like Sour Patch Kids, so if I have like a raspberry flavored EAA, and then I mix it in there, it's like raspberry Sour Patch Kids, like a soury flavor. Um, I when I was with Milos, um, he had me on these huge pre and intra shakes. Yeah, yeah, and, he loved that and, stuff. And me being a, a cheap ass, bought unflavored versions of everything. You're kidding? No. No. I have unflavored citrulline malate. I use it every workout. No, it was horrible. But well, I have, may, have been the, may have been the combination, but oh, God, oh, that was vile. EAA, like plain straight up EAA is the worst. Yeah, that was horrible though. Supplement of the day. I've been using creatine monohydrate every day for a while now. You know, we've always known about the, the, the small 
additional benefits we get for bodybuilding, but now they're showing that it is beneficial for cognitive function and I can use all the help I can get. All right. I think we got a couple more here. One from our good friend, Alfonso. Um, niacin to improve HDL. It does work. I don't know about the dosing. I will tell you this. There is no, it does work to raise HDL, but from what I understand, there is no change in, um, what is it? All cause mortality. So you may be able to, when we talked about this recently, you may be able to raise your HDL, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to live longer. It's diff, it, 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 so we don't know um, if that change has any effect on us. So far, it's been shown to have no effect on us at all if we raise it through the supplements versus like raising it through a healthy diet and all of that. Um, would I not do it then? No, I still would do it. What else do we have here, Dave? I think we had one more on the live stream. Nope, we didn't. But we got one more here. Let me see if I can find one more good one to wrap us up. Um, let's see. We had a couple more, but we only have time for one. Uh, we'll take this guy because he's from Stockholm. Just from was Sweden? A, yeah, it was just at uh, Ikea the other day. So shout out to you, Jonas. Oh, <laughs> Hey, they. I don't think it supports their true. their country. That's what I'm saying. It is a sweet brand, but I don't think it's a fair reflection. <laughs> no, well, is it Sweden? No, I think it's Amsterdam where they've got a, a Willy Museum, isn't it? Do they really? I thought it was sweet. Yeah, I don't know. It's Amsterdam or Sweden that's got a Willy Museum. <sighs> I never heard of that. Let me look it up really quick. I'm not going to say Willy though. Why not? Well, I'm not going to put that in the search engine. Um, Iceland. No, is he? Uh, yeah. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I thought it, I thought it was somewhere else. Never mind. Okay. Hundreds of phallic specimens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny, guys. Scott look up. So, look Scott up summer holiday. Yeah, look up phallus.is. They have a gift shop too. With wieners all over the clothing and stuff. Wow, that's something else. Oh, my God. Look at this. I'll bring up one picture here. Uh, this is uh, something to do with an elephant. That looks like one of your drawings, Dave. Doesn't it? What, the, what, the big golden hanging off the wall? <laughs> the elephant. That looks it looks, like to something very good, looks, looks to be some very good drawings there, actually, if that's yeah. what they are. Okay, so you actually on, had anyway. a question too, yeah. Um, next question for the next show. I've been wondering um, for a while about Dave's talk about the steroid serum concentrations and the peaks that seem to have quite a big impact on muscle building, according to him. He mentioned it earlier while talking about orals. Does it translate to oils as well? I'm a casual gym goer who trains mostly on weekends. And when weekend comes along, I focus more uh, or when weekend comes along, I focus more on other things like socializing. Oh, sorry. He trains on weekdays. Then on weekends, he socializes. He goes out to dinner. He hangs with friends. Would I hypothetically be better off using short acting esters like test probe and NPP 
then test E in DECA and pin them, say, Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday to peak my serum concentrations when I train and immediately after. So basically, he takes the weekend off. Should he run a cycle that works just for the week and not the weekend? No. Um, I'm uh, the slightly misunderstanding of what I was saying. Now, that may be me that said it incorrectly, but... Uh, Probably was. Um, so, I'm going to do a little drawing. Oh, there's some Dave drawings today. Okay, so... Yeah. You've got to you've got to remember firstly what we're talking about is the difference between oral only and oil only cycles. Yeah. When you combine the two, this goes to shit. So if we do a oral only cycle and we split our dose of orals into multiple within a twenty four hour period. Okay. And then if we do it as a single dose. So if we do it as a, a multi-dose, if we do it as a single dose. Okay. And that is effectively the, hang on, get it in the middle of the argument. So the single peak is a single dose, and as you see, it pushes hormone levels out of natural ranges. Yeah. Because of the limitation of dosing through orals, i.e. we can't take orals in huge doses, when you split the dose, and it has such a short half-life of between four and nine hours, depending on the compound, when you split the dose, you get these mini peaks and troughs. Yeah. The problem is the total administration never brings you particularly above range. Yeah. So you never really go fully superpharmological with it. Hmm. Where with a single dose, you do go far superpharmological, and as a result, that has a greater impact on muscle building. There is some science to back that as well. When it comes to an injectable, you're out of range already. You're already above natural ranges. So the single peak idea doesn't become such an issue because you're already in a superpharmological region. You're already way above what would be natural for your body, and therefore you've already created all the mechanisms that come with that. Whereas with an oral, because your total dosing is so much lower... You know, you're not taking 400 milligrams of a friggin' oral, are you? You're only going to be taking most people around the 60, 50 milligram mark or even less. You know, some heavier users might go to 100 and some very heavy users may go above that. But as a result, maintaining, if it's oral only, getting it out of range has a greater total impact on muscle building properties than keeping it stable but top end of range. Hmm. Okay. So... so in when you combine the two, it doesn't matter because when you combine the two, you're already out of range anyway. So the oral just becomes a secondary action at genomic and non-genomic receptors. So his situation, I think that you know, the reality is that we we take most people take a few days off training per week anyway. Hopefully, they're taking it you know a couple days off, if not three days off, depending on how intense they are. Um, I, I don't know anybody who trains seven days a week, right? So. You, you I know really... a few, but it's very training rather than old bodybuilding stuff. Yeah, and and so I guess my point being is that like you you need that time off, and that's when we're growing. So if he were to say, let's say he could take a a compound that just worked right at his training, um, if he wanted to grow muscle, you know, he's going to have to recover, right? 
So what about after your training? What about the weekend after you've just busted butt through the week? You're, you're going to need the, the weekend to recover and the gear is going to be helping you there as well, right? Yeah, I mean, it is a, a, a completely elevated anabolic environment, and that's what orals provide you. Sorry, that's what injectables provide you very, very easily because they create a, a long-term anabolic environment. The only issue with the weekend off, uh, not so much the weekend off training, but the weekend off lifestyle, um, is that one of the biggest impacts is alcohol. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, you you can screw a diet by having weekends off every week, no problem at all. So you could fuck your calorie sides, particularly if you're trying to get leaner. Um, but alcohol will have a huge impact on aromatization. So um, you can mess things up quite badly if you're getting rat-assed every weekend. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've seen so it like many, many, Yeah, like many things in life, it's balance. You know, it's about trying to create a, a, a balance and not being too extreme either way. Yeah. Um, but yes, even with that setup, he's going to be much better sticking to injectables and having a continual elevated level of androgens in his system. Okay, one more question. We got a somebody asked on last week. He said, um, and and I think he didn't know about your health issues, Dave, because he said, would Dave ever consider going back on cycle to put some more muscle on? And I said to him, hey, you know, you probably don't know, Dave's got kidney stuff going on, so he probably will never cycle again. Now that said, let's remove all of that. Let's say that you were fine, you're healthy. Would you run a cycle again? No. No. No interest. No, and it's quite literally that. I've I've known I've no cause to. I've no cause to. You know, my direction, my ambitions, my You've been dying to use that all day, haven't you? Since you discovered it this morning, you've been dying to use that all day. I've had that for like six months, but I needed it for this very moment, yes. Boo. No, I just um, you suck. Ooh. No, no, I'm it's, kidding. It's, it's, it's not even that. I mean, I, I I want to be leaner. I want to be fitter. Um, the whole thing, if it creates a bonus, great. If it doesn't, oh, who gives a fuck? You know, I mean, I'm where I am anyway. I put myself here, just deal with it. Um, but that's that's not really super hard driven by health that's just driven by i've done my time at being big and it doesn't suit where i am now in my life and what i want to do with my life you know i've always got there well i've been there and done it uh, and i don't feel that i need to stay there um and i think if i tried to stay there well i think if i had tried to stay there i would quite literally be dead i would just be a statistic i, I have no doubt about that um, and but even if health conditions gone, you know, if I was fit and healthy tomorrow, no, I I just I've got no drive to be big anymore. It, it's it's the, there was lots of things that happened when I I did those those mad projects, and one of them was it completely satisfied my appetite for size. Hmm. I, I wanted to see how big I could get, and, and I felt I got there. Um, it was majorly disappointing getting there, but. I do feel like I got there and I've got no burning desire to repeat that again. And my interests have moved into other areas now, you know, and I've moved on. I, I don't discredit anyone who wants to do that. I, I have some close friends that are on the big mass train at the moment. You've met Charlie Hammond. Charlie's looking absolutely monstrous at the moment. Yeah. 
and I'm well proud of him for what he's achieved. I, I've seen his pictures. Uh, I think he's posted a few. Maybe you've reshared him recently, but he is looking yeah. big. Yeah, he is looking. He sent me one um, last night. Actually, he doesn't get his legs out very often, and it was like, you know what? They're not a bad pair of quads, then, mate. Um, the masked but, monster is what he goes yeah. by, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a good kid. But yeah, I just I've moved on. It's, it's I've got different challenges now. I've got different interests, and and that doesn't mean that I have any judgment on those interests, or you know, it's not like I'm a a reformed smoker where I'm saying going all smoking <laughs> fucking terrible you don't want to smoke yeah. I've got nothing wrong with gear um, and I've got nothing wrong with somebody being a mass monster I applaud it I applaud the effort it takes to do it yeah um, it's just my I'm in a different place with it all uh, that's all it is and you know I'm, I'm I, I I don't know if I dare say this I, I actually I got on the bike to do my cardio this morning and I was not frigging wanting to do it at all. And, you know, it was actually not that unpleasant. Good. Good. Yeah, you know, and and I'm all for that, man. And I knew what the answer was, but, you know, I figured I'd ask it. Like, I literally, I knew what that was. But I figured maybe maybe some of the audience would want to know. And you know what? If they're not in that spot, which I assume if you're watching this show, you probably aren't in that spot yet, you know? Take it as it is, but maybe one yeah. day you'll be where Dave is. You'll be happy with the size you've gained because we, at the end of the day, we can't, we can't be geared up forever. Right. None of no. us can. And, and I, you know, do I sometimes miss it? Yeah. Yeah. Especially if I'm stood in a room full of pros, yeah. Very much so. you know, you do feel your lack of size at that point, but not to a degree where I'd do anything about it. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad that you're happy with that. And I'm glad that I'm, you're doing your cardio. We still, we get messages every week. Somebody comments and it's like, man, Dave's looking leaner. So, you know, you're you're on the right track with that. Uh, I thought you were going to say someone every week comes, fuck me, is Dave still alive? Is it on stage? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. Go to Eval Blood Analysis if you're in the UK. You get your lab work done by Dave. Strom Sports Nutrition. Uh, check out everything they have, especially their health stacks um, for while you're on cycle, recovery, uh, bring your hematocrit down, all that stuff. Uh, truenutrition.com and use our code THINK. Of course, supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. You can hit Dave up if you want some coaching. Hit him up over on Facebook or on Instagram. You can email me for coaching, McNally Diet at gmail.com and thank you to all of our patreons because there is a 90 percent chance that this episode will not be monetized so this show is here because of you thank you guys we appreciate it for another episode of drugs and stuff we'll see you soon thanks dave <coughs> oh don't make me laugh it makes me cough <laughs>